Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. So how do you feel about babies in space? Not like sending babies into space, but the prospect that at some point we are going to be reproducing in space. Either in space craft or actually on the ground on another planet. Now, there's a lot invested in going to Mars. Uh, That's the goal of various uh, space agencies, private companies. Everyone seems hell-bent on getting to the red planet. And, And from that would be some kind of ongoing human presence. Now, it may be far off, but I think it'll happen eventually. So there's an interesting new paper out that explores some questions around human reproduction. If we're going to maintain an ongoing presence in some sort of Mars colony, then then inevitably there's going to have to be human reproduction. Now, children being born into this and children growing up in this and and sustaining that presence instead of constantly, you know, shipping over a, a new batch of people. But that raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? How, how difficult and challenging is it going to be to conceive in space or on Mars to ensure that pregnancies uh, are safely brought to term? And then what about those children being born into this environment, growing up in this environment, never having known Earth? I mean, does it take away from, from their humanity to any extent? So, uh, to me, yeah, th- these are all fascinating questions. And like I say, this new paper uh, published, published in the journal Futures explore some of these important questions. Joining us to talk more about all of this, one of the co-authors of this paper, uh, Stephen Abu joins us with the Department of Biological Sciences at Florida International University. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why was this uh, an issue that, that you and your colleagues felt was, was important and, and worth exploring deeper? Well, uh, basically, uh, Stephen Hawking, the great physicist, uh, a few years ago um, mentioned that he, he thought that establishing a colony in space uh, and, and our ability to sustain life on another planet uh, really uh, may be like the last hope for humankind if, uh, you know, if things go wrong on this planet in, in a variety of different ways, you know, as far as um, a, a variety of, of, of different extinction events that could happen. So it's, and, and that combined with the, uh, the Mars mission from private industry people like Elon Musk and, and governmental programs um, to, uh, to, to have a, a, a manned mission to Mars um, much sooner than we thought, even just a few years ago, um, really kind of brought together a bunch of scientists um, I, I met um, a scientist named Konrad Skozik from Poland at a scientific conference, and he was very interested in these issues. So he put together a team from the United States, um, from Poland, and, and from Brazil, and we, we all thought this was a really uh, ex- important existential issue to really uh, kind of get ahead of. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, and, and you know, the report assumes, and I think it's a logical assumption then, that, that any kind of long-term mission, I mean, it's going to require human reproduction. There really isn't any way around that, is there? Right, right. Any any colony there would uh, would require you know human reproduction, and it just it just may happen anyways. But basically, um, to sustain a population, yes, we we, we would definitely need to um, to have a uh, a self-reproducing colony, um, we think around 5,000 to 5,800 individuals 
um, to basically to keep the colony going. So, yes, it's, it's a key issue. Yeah. And I mean, here on this planet, humans are, are pretty good at reproducing, but right. on another planet or in space, I mean, that's that's a whole other question just in terms of, you know, physically the challenges in ensuring that, that pregnancies could be safely carried to term, delivering babies, uh, just the whole change in gravity, atmosphere, all of it. How, how difficult would it be? Right. Well, it all goes back to the whole the whole mismatch paradigm idea, which means that uh, there's a lot of problems that are caused by a mismatch between the environment in which our genes develop and the environment in, in which we then find ourselves. So just a quick example, obesity. Um, our genes, a lot of my research and the research I do in the lab of uh, Dr. Alejandro Barbieri uh, involves this. And, and basically the, our genes developed in an environment of food scarcity where, where and because of this, our, our, our fat genes store fat very well, but now we're in an environment of food surplus, so it's completely mismatched to the environment in which our genes develop. And in the same way, um, reproductively, you know, uh, being on Earth, it's going to be a completely different environment on Mars. So um, I guess there's two things. First is actually having sex, and, and second is, is carrying a pregnancy to term. So those are the, kind of the two the two challenges mm-hmm. uh, that we're going we're gonna, to we're be faced with. Right. And, and um, so it's... it's though, but yeah, and those are difficult challenges, more difficult maybe than people right. might think. Right, right, right. So as far as sex, um, you know, having sex in space, um, you know, it sounds exciting, the Mile Mile High Club and yeah, all right. that, but, but it might not be as easy as, as people might, um, you know, might think because um, there's decreased testosterone in space, um, decreased blood flow to the lower extremities, the heart shrinks, meaning that there's less energy. Uh, sweat doesn't drip down the body as as it normally does on Earth. And then we run into um, Newton's third law. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So every time you try to get close to someone, you basically push them away from you. So there definitely has to be some kind of you have to be strapped together and strapped to something else in some kind of way and then actually carrying a pregnancy to term uh on mars that there's a lot of different issues and one of the main ones is microgravity um on mars we only have uh 38 of the earth's gravity so this this definitely affects reproduction so for instance um in 1979 russian scientists launched a satellite carrying male and female rats up into space. And they basically had all the time in the world to, to reproduce and, and have sex. And, 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 but, but they were very uninterested in sex because their, their, home, their, hormone, their sex hormone levels dropped because of the microgravity. And two did manage to get pregnant, but they miscarried. So definitely the effect of microgravity, which just means less gravity than we have on Earth, is going to be an issue. Right, and even, uh, you know, issues with... Um, their, their immune system, right? Mother's um, immune yeah. system, just the radiation uh, they, they might potentially be exposed to. You know, these, these are big risks to a pregnancy. Definitely, definitely. So on Mars, um, the atmosphere is very thin. There's only, um, it's only 1% as thick as the Earth's atmosphere. So you're, you're 100% correct that radiation is going to be a large problem. So 
the um, radiation, of course, causes mutations in our genetic code. So, so that and also weakens the immune system, which is very important to carry a pregnancy to term. So that is also going to be a, uh, a large issue. And, and even um, Mars has, has 43% the amount of sunlight as we get on Earth. And you might say, okay, well, how would that, how does sunlight even affect the pregnancy? Well, the skin makes most of its vitamin D from sunlight, which is one of our essential vitamins, and vitamin D requirements are greater in pregnancy. Um, so we find on Earth that the, the, the uh, women that have the lowest levels of vitamin D have the highest amount of complications. So, so microgravity, sunlight, radiation, yeah, and depressed immune systems, yes, definitely all those are going to be are going to be issues that we're going to have to try to um, to troubleshoot our way around. What about the potential then to to screen uh, Mars astronauts for certain genetic traits that, that we know might be passed on to children that might allow them to to thrive in a, a Martian environment, or even you know, if we're talking decades down the road, the idea that we would be engineering certain genetic traits using technology like like CRISPR gene editing technology. Right. I, I think both those avenues are things we need to uh, to look into. And the first one you mentioned, um, screening astronauts, the whole Human Genome Project in, in 2001, that basically gave us the ability to read the genome, to read the DNA. And that, and that, um, that's, that second point you mentioned about CRISPR, that's kind of the next step. That's not only reading the DNA, but actually being able to write on the DNA to change our genetic code. And uh, on a, a Mars colony or any colony for that matter, that's isolated from, from the rest of the population, um, resources are going to be a very important issue. So if there's, if, if, if there's genetic diseases that require more resources from the colony and more time spent, we, we definitely would, would like to avoid those as much as possible in, in a survival practically a survival situation like that so um yes yeah, so, so screening and then actually perhaps changing the genetic code and and not even just trying to eradicate genetic diseases but perhaps even going one step further and trying to to kind of be the makers of our own evolution and change the genetic code so so our humans would be better adapted to a Mars environment than to an Earth environment. That also is something with, of course, profound implications, but also uh, potential for being being able to be better adapted to that to that mismatched environment. That's mismatched to the environment that we that we grew up on on Earth. Right. And, and there's another question that is fascinating. Maybe it's more of an ethical question, I, I suppose, uh, than, than physical or biological. But, you know, the identity of these these people, I mean, a human's a human, but the, the idea of humans existing, that we're not born on our planet, that we're even born on another planet. I mean, who are they? What are they? Right. Right. Isn't that, that strange that to, to have never um, seen the Earth and, and never uh, be part of the Earth? Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, I guess there is this panspermia hypothesis that says that life originated elsewhere and then just came to Earth. But 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 putting all that aside, right? To to actually uh, to be to be born on Mars. Um, I mean, the upside of that is that is that 
children born there, babies born there, of course, will, will biologically and psychologically be far better adapted to, to that environment than, than, than probably anyone ever could be coming from a completely different planet like Earth. So, so that's kind of might be another impetus behind a self-sustaining colony uh, and self-reproducing colony to kind of help us humans psychologically adapt to such a new environment, it would be, it would be advantageous to, to, to be able to have someone actually born in that new environment. Right. And I mean, at, at some point, let's say that we've had a, an established presence for multiple generations. We have children who are born on, on Mars or their, their children are born on Mars even. And, you know, we got to shut it down at some point or we got to bring these people back to Earth for some reason. Right. I mean, just to, to have no place, no identity, no, no sense of home or, or anything like that. I mean, it's it's it seems really strange. Right. That, that definitely definitely is going to be the ultimate uh situation of existential angst there i could see bringing them back and also you're going to have a mismatch then the other way bringing bringing people that are perhaps very well adapted psychologically um as best as as they could be and physiologically for mars having to to come back to another planet so then you're going to have a mismatch in the other direction maybe we'll have to do more gene editing in the other direction but uh, yes, so yeah. that would be uh, that would be challenges there as well. Well, it's certainly fascinating research, and these are obviously very important questions. Uh, I guess that's why this is getting so much attention this week. Uh, Stephen, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Make some time for us here today. Really do appreciate this. Okay, thanks for having me on. There you go. That's Stephen Abood uh, with the Department of Biological Sciences, Florida International University, one of the co-authors of this paper, published this week in the journal Futures. Right, questions that, that are going to have to be asked at some point. We're not there yet, obviously, but maybe time to start thinking about some of this stuff. All right, over here, 403-974-8255. Angela Cocott is off this week uh, and next week, right? I think, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jody Hughes will be in after 4 o'clock with Calgary today for your Tuesday drive home. We're back with more right after this.